back inside. Isn't that a good thing? My goodness. Is everyone excited to be in church tonight? Okay, good. We're, we're spaced. What's that? Yeah, I know. I walked through today and everything's cleaned up real good and things put away. So the facilities look really good. It's been, it's been the middle of March since we've been in the auditorium here for any kind of church service. That was the last one together. So I'm excited to be here tonight. <clears throat> this is our plan. We're going to be in here um, in the auditorium because we're able to spread out. All right. So our teens are going to move from the youth room and they're going to break up between the community room and the chapel so that they can all spread out. Um, we're going to be in here so that everyone can just, you know, spread out. Don't feel like you've got to sit next to somebody, just spread out. And um, uh, we don't want anything to hinder people from coming. And then the kids, the, 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 that allows then the kids to use the gymnasium, the youth room, all the classrooms, so they can spread out as well. And so just by making these adjustments, um, it just helps us stay healthy. We obviously don't want any issues. We've gone well since March through this. And um, as we're coming back together, we just want to make sure that people are safe. And so we're going to um, be under the tent just two more Sundays. You say, why are we going to stay under the tent for two more Sundays? Because we rented the tent and I just don't want to lose two weeks worth of rent of the tent. And so we're being cheap. So we're going to stay out under the weather's getting nicer. Um, And then first Sunday in October, we're going to be back inside. Um, And I'm going to ask that you just have patience with us. We're going to use the first couple weeks just to see how things are. We may then need to add some services, but instead of just coming in and adding multiple services and not knowing what really what, what the needs are, um, every week we're just going to kind of reevaluate things and we're going to make the best decisions. I've learned this through COVID. I was telling someone this today. No matter what decision I make, someone thinks it's wrong. <laughs> Either we're too far apart or not far enough apart. And, and um, uh, so it's been difficult. It really has. We've put a lot of thought, put a lot of prayer, talked to a lot of people just to get even even several of the people work in the medical field. Uh, my doctor, I think he's going to start charging me just for a phone call now, but he, he's been very kind and has allowed me to call him um, many times throughout this just to get a professional opinion. What do you recommend? And he's been kind and answered those questions and given us advice. And so um, we, we just want to get as back to normal as normal will allow and still be safe and still make wise decisions. And so um, I'm excited that we're back inside, especially on this midweek service. Um, Sundays, two more weeks, we'll be back inside in the mornings. Then the following Sunday, the second Sunday in October, we're going to start our adult classes back up. Now we're going to make some adjustments again so that some of the rooms that that we had some classes that they were very tight. And um, we want to make sure that, um, especially in some of the older classes, um, the, um, there's enough space and distance. And so we want to, we want to be wise with that. Our one o'clock service today, I couldn't believe it. I was expecting, um, to, if we had, if we had 15 there, I would have been excited. I would have been happy. We had just, just about 50 in that one o'clock service. 
We had everyone social distance. They all had masks on. It was it was uh, it was a great service, and I was really excited that they came back and were able to have that service as well. So we are offering a one o'clock service on Wednesdays, and then also um, the evening service. I want to give you um, Joe Steck. Would you have those, um, Brian? Would you help with those as well? Next Sunday uh, or next Wednesday evening, we're going to have a couple guests that are going to be here. I'm going to give you a flyer. All the information's on there. Don't pay attention to the upper right-hand corner where it talks about uh, a pastor's form. It's not. Um, it's going to be. Um, uh, there's an evangelist, Byron Fox, that'll be here, and then a couple other men that'll be here. And so, really looking forward to this event. Uh, a lot of things in our country we need to pray for um, California and in the. Um, uh, northwest area of our state. I heard today some almost 4 million acres now have been burned or are burning. And I know it doesn't necessarily affect us here in Ohio. We're not seeing it, but those are real human beings that their lives are being affected. They're having to move. Um, loved ones have been, have, they've lost their lives and homes and just devastating. We need to pray for them. And then also, um, South, you know, we had a storm come through and a lot of flooding. And so people in our, in our nation are hurting and, um, they're devastated. And this is financially going to be devastating for them as well. And so this is what we want to do. Um, just because I know once we're moving back inside, it's going to be difficult to sing. Um, and um, if you wear a mask, if, if someone comes in in a mask, I would ask you to do this. We're, we're not we're, we're not going to get into making fun of somebody or making someone feel uncomfortable. If somebody wants to wear a mask, you are welcome to wear a mask. And I would say we want to respect that. I'm going to wear a mask. Um, and if someone doesn't, that's fine. Um, but let's just not make those an issue for us when we come to worship the Lord, when we come to learn. Um, that's why we're going to be social distance. Um, we're going to, we're here to, to learn about the Lord, to get closer to Christ. Our nation is in trouble. There's people hurting. There's people who, as I said, through fires and through floods, people have lost their jobs. We, we just want to come here and pray, seek the Lord and we want to be right with the Lord and not get caught up in things that divide us. We're not going to, at least for a little while here, we're not going to sing on our Wednesday night service. We're not doing it on our Wednesday morning service either, one o'clock service. Um, just because several reasons. One is just I don't want to make it awkward for people that are wearing masks to try to sing as, as, as well either. It's a choice that we're making just for a couple of weeks. Also, as we're moving back inside, just trying to get the sound equipment, everything is on a cart for the tent. And to, to add that on top of our sound crew, to try to get everything back in here and then tear it all back down, put it back out for Sunday for the next two weeks is a lot of work. And so we're going to give them a break. So the next few weeks, we're just going to come in here. We're going to pray. We're going to have a Bible study. And um, I hope that we're going to be able to fellowship and just enjoy being back in church again with God's people. Is that fair? Everyone agree to that? Raise your hand if you agree to that. 
Okay, great. All right. So um, what I want to do is let's um, let's spend a few moments in prayer tonight. Does anyone, we, we've been emailing and we're going to continue to do that as well. Um, the best way you could help us is this. If you would download the app to the church, um, you can um, send in any prayer requests that you would have. And that we'll gather those. We're still doing a prayer list every week and we're emailing that. If you have not gotten an email for from the church every Friday with our prayer list, and this has been going out for quite a while now, if you've not been getting one, then we don't have your accurate email address. And so I would ask if you would um, take out the app right now and you can communicate that with us. Just just tell us that you know you want the prayer list um, and that uh, give us your accurate email and we'll make sure that you get that. And I would ask that you pray for that. If you want to uh, print it out and bring it, put it in your Bible, um, you can do that and we would have that on Wednesday evenings. But how many would um, say you've got a prayer request that you would want us to just write down this evening and pray about tonight? Does anyone have one? If you'll just raise your hand and just talk real nice and loud so everyone can get it. Yes, sir. Is that the 22nd of October? Okay. surgery on the 22nd and this officer that was shot today. I haven't heard that up in Ann Arbor. So pray if you would. Anyone else? Some prayer requests that we can add? Anyone at all? All right. I'm going to embarrass Andrea. She got baptized last night in the river. We Six were baptized. Lily Tanzel was baptized. She's. I'm sure she's in the youth group tonight, 15, is that, where's Sarah? Did I see Sarah? She's 15, is that correct? 14, 14. So she was the youngest, Lily Tanzel was 14, and then up to 48 in all ages in between. Um, there was one fella that uh, works with Philip. He, um, he was just driving down the road and saw, uh, uh, Philip runs a, a framing crew um, building houses, and the, uh, he's, 18, 19 at the time, just driving down the road in January and wanted to work and just stopped and said, hey, you guys hiring? <laughs> and they said, yeah, what do you know? Nothing. All right, we'll teach you. And Philip then started going to a Bible study or uh, Andrew is his name, right? Andrew started going to uh, Philip's Bible study that he has at his house. And um, um, he got saved in Jan or June this summer and he was baptized last night as well. And so that's really exciting. I got to meet his parents last night and hear his testimony. There were six total that, um, that were baptized last night. And we did that in the river. And nobody, I don't think we lost anybody, no crocodiles or anything. And so uh, that was a real enjoyable time. I, I was glad to be a part of that. So we praise the Lord. People are still being saved. And um, Lord still moving and working in people's lives. And people are still dedicating their lives to, to serve the Lord. And that's a wonderful thing. And so I praise the Lord for that. You pray for those that uh, were baptized last night. I know they would appreciate it. All right. Anyone else? You've got a prayer request? 
so we can pray. Anybody? Okay. How many of you have one you just don't want to talk? Anybody like that? How many of you pray? Okay, a few more. Okay, good. All right. Uh, Brian Mitchell, would you come and would you just pray for us this evening? And then we're going to be in Jonah chapter number one tonight when he's finished praying. All right. Thank you, Brian. Okay. Let's go to Jonah chapter number one. Jonah chapter one. I'm going to um, be in Jonah. I'm going to do just a series, four or five weeks or so in the um, uh, book of Jonah. Now, I know Jonah is a familiar passage of Scripture. If you grew up in church, if you grew up in a children's church, you, I'm sure, heard about Jonah. Jonah was swallowed by a whale. Jonah, um, he had uh, uh, run from the Lord. We find in verse number one, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish so that he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go into them uh, unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, there's something interesting that I find in just these first couple verses. As we study the the book of Jonah, normally as we're reading through this book, we read and we think, all right, it's called Jonah. This is about Jonah. It's about Jonah running from the Lord. It's about Jonah uh, being swallowed by the uh, the whale. It's by Jonah uh, going to Nineveh and, and Nineveh being saved. And and we if if we study it and we look at it from the perspective of Jonah. That's not necessarily a, a bad thing because Jonah is the key character here. But in reality, what the book of Jonah is about is about God. It reveals something about God. It shows us something about God. It, it gives us a glimpse into God's redemptive plan for mankind. The Bible is 66 books, right? 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. And they're, they're written by different people. They're written over a, a, a long period of time. There are 66 individual books that make up the Bible. In the Bible, though, is it, there's a thread from the very beginning, from Genesis, all the way through every single book that ends in Revelation, and that thread is redemption of mankind, God's desire for mankind to be redeemed. Man sinned. He was created. Man sinned. And from that very beginning, as man sinned, God seeks to reconcile mankind back to him. And that's the thread we see all throughout the Bible, every book. Every book has its characters. Every book has the, its name maybe after the author or the individual the book is about. But every book is about God. And so we're going to see here in Jonah, we're going to obviously study the path that Jonah is on, but we want to look at what God is doing. We want to look at who God is. And tonight there's something specific that I want us to look at as we study the, the, uh, this first chapter of Jonah. Also, I want you to see in this first couple of verses as well, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah. God has desired to speak to Jonah. Now, when we call the Bible the word of God, 
Jonah didn't get this this from reading the Bible. At the time, uh, there wasn't the Bible like we have it today. This was the Lord speaking into Jonah's ears. Jonah heard the voice of God. This was Jonah hearing the voice of God, God telling uh, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. And he tells us that Nineveh is a wicked city. God sees the wickedness of Nineveh. He tells Jonah, I want you to go to this place. I want you to cry out against it. It wasn't to cry out to say, God is going to judge you, although God was going to judge them. It was a cry for them to repent and turn to God, or they would face God's judgment. And that's important for us to see. Don't forget that as we study this here this evening. Jonah then runs from God, the Bible says, and he on purpose is trying to get away from God. The Bible very clearly in verse number two, it tells us that he went, rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. In, twice in that verse, we find that his goal is to get away from the presence of God. He hears from God, and he's trying to do everything he can to get away from God. He doesn't want to hear God's voice anymore. He doesn't want to be in God's presence. Now, could you imagine, could you imagine this? Here's, here's a, a prophet who's doing what he can in his own power to get away from the presence of God. I want to, I want to get as far away from God as possible. It's important to see this. Again, I'm saying these things on purpose. I want you to write these things down or these thoughts or remember these thoughts as we look at God here tonight. So we see Nineveh, they're wicked. It's come up into God's presence. He's noticed it. Their wickedness is so great, and he wants something done about it. Here we find Jonah is supposed to go do something about it, and he's doing everything he can to run from God. But you know what Jonah is going to find? And this is important for us to see tonight. There is not a single place that you can go to that you can flee from the presence of God. Jonah leaves and he tries to go to Tarsus. But you know what he would find if he actually would have made it to Tarsus? God's there. You know what he found when he was in the belly of this great fish in the bottom of the sea? You know what he found? The presence of God was there because there in that belly, he speaks to the Lord. What he's finding, even in wicked Nineveh, God sees it. You know what I see tonight? God sees all things. You know, you, you think about if when you were younger, you uh, would get scared. And what you would do is if you could hide, if you could get the covers up over your head and hide maybe whatever was scaring you would go away. You know what you would find? You can't hide from God. Our, our kids, especially our youngest, still does this uh, uh, at times. We'll be sound asleep, and she'll come downstairs. We don't hear get right into our face as we're sleeping and begin to tap us. Wake up, and there she is right there. What is wrong? I'm scared. So go back to bed. You know, no, I want to get in with you to hide from whatever is scared them. Jonah is trying to do that. He is trying to run 
from doing what God has called him to do, only to find out that God is always there. Now, listen to me, as we're starting this study here through the book of Jonah, in the first couple of verses, what we need to understand is this, God sees all and he's everywhere. Here we have a city that is total given over to wickedness. They don't realize, their thought isn't that God is seeing this. They're living however they want to live, but God still sees it. Jonah, a prophet, one that is supposed to be a prophet of God to to warn of this wickedness, he tries to flee from God, and no matter where he goes, God sees Jonah. You say, what are you trying to say? God sees. He sees every decision. He sees every action. We can't run from God. What we ought to recognize as we begin this study in Jonah, we need to recognize that there's no area of our life that we can hide from God. You can hide it from your spouse. You can hide it from your friends. You can hide it from your boss. You can hide it from your siblings or your parents. But what you can't do, there is no secret areas of our life. We need to realize that. Jonah here is going to learn that no matter where you run, you cannot run from the presence of God. We find here in verse number four, but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. So this great storm comes up. The mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. Now, I want you to notice, and again, this a lot of tonight's going to be just introduction to this message, this series. I want you to realize tonight, I want you to mark down this, that when these mariners were afraid, they began to pray. But there's something interesting. Look there in your Bible. You would find the God that they began to pray to is with a little g. They began to pray to their gods. Now, these might be the gods that they had back in their home that they worshiped. It might even have been gods that they would bring onto their ship that would keep and protect them from storms or allow them to have a great, uh, a great uh, if, if they were fishermen, they could have a god that would help them, a god of the seas, uh, to help them you know, to, to get a great catch. It could be uh, the god of the, the moon that would guide them. But they, they were praying to their gods. There's something interesting I find here in this passage of Scripture. This storm was so great, it wasn't just a normal storm. Because this storm caused these mariners, these men that made their living out on the sea, it caused them to begin to pray to their gods. They knew something was wrong. And when that wasn't working one of them realized Jonah is asleep in the bottom of this boat. He, he, we've got to get this guy up, but he needs to start praying to his God as well. They knew something was wrong. They began to ask Jonah, follow along with me. They said, everyone to his fellow, come and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. They're looking at this great storm that's taken place, and they realize this. Someone on this boat is being judged by God. Someone on this boat has done wrong. 
This is not just some ordinary storm that's going to pass. This thing is huge, and we need someone's help to get us through this. Well, Jonah, he falls short, and he gets that the lot's cast, and he loses out, and they realize, Jonah, this is your fault. In verse number nine, then they said unto him, tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? And what is thy country? They begin to just riddle him with things. Who are you? What do you do for a living? Where are you from? What's your nationality? What'd you do wrong? Because this obviously is your fault. And Jonah's response to them is, throw me overboard. Now, their first their first response was, no, we can't throw this man overboard. What we'll do is we'll just begin to row harder. And the Bible says that they begin to row harder toward the shore only to figure out they're not getting out of this storm. This storm is not going to stop. They're not going to get themselves out of this. This is bigger than them. This is Jonah's fault. The, Jonah, the God that Jonah is worshiping and praying to, he's upset. This powerful God and they realize the only hope that they have is to throw Jonah overboard. And the Bible tells us that they throw Jonah, they cast him into the sea. Look with me in verse number 12. And he said unto them, take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that, you are my, you, that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was temptuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life. Lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. And so they took Jonah and they cast Jonah, in verse number 15, into the sea. And look what happens immediately the raging sea stops. The men fear the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. And the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of this fish three days and three nights. I want you to see a key verse here in verse number, chapter one is verse number two. Just mark that. As you're studying this, Jonah, what God is going to do, what God is going to use to show us something about him, who he is, to show us his character, he is going to use verse number two, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, cry against it, for the wickedness has come before me. And this is the same verse that that uh, gives us kind of what the entire uh, 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 book of Jonah is about. It's about Nineveh repenting and turning back to God. That's God's redemptive plan that we find all throughout the Bible is, is mankind is sinning. Mankind is, is wicked and they're living in their sin. And God is not satisfied for man to stay in that state. And so there's a redemptive plan. We know that that redemptive plan is Jesus Christ. God sends Jesus Christ and he, he dies, he pays our sin debt and all those that will accept that free gift of salvation, the gospel message is saved. They're not going to experience God's wrath. They're going to experience God's 
reconciliation. He's reconciling back to him. And Jonah may appear, as I said earlier, it may be appear to be a book about Jonah. But church, I want to look deeper into that in this study for the next couple weeks. I want to look at this man, Jonah, but I want to look deeper into not what Jonah is doing or what Jonah has done, but who God is and what God is doing. It's a book about God's love. It's a book about his love for mankind. Uh, Nate, can I have you help me? This would be really helpful. Bring your, bring your Bible. Yeah. Yeah, bring your iPad your iPad Bible, and um, that's actually going to be quicker, too. I've got a, I need to hold my notes, my Bible, and my microphone tonight, and so I'm going to have you read these, okay? All right, I want you to turn, if you would, to Exodus chapter 34. We're going to go to several passages of Scripture. I want to encourage you, if you on Thursday nights, or Wednesday nights, I'm sorry, especially, I want, I'm going to be more teaching, and I want to give you some things that I want you to write down, if you would, and, and study these things through. We're going to be in multiple different passages of Scripture, and um, I want to start with Exodus chapter 34. I want you to, I want us to look at this specifically tonight. I want us to see the book of Jonah. It's about God's love for mankind, and I want us to look at this attribute of God of long-suffering, long-suffering. I think tonight as we, as we unwrap this, you'll see chapter number one is showing us that God is a long-suffering God. Chapter, verse number two tells us that God is long-suffering. What he's telling us is this, Nineveh has sinned, but God is not going to judge Nineveh immediately. He's long-suffering, and he desires for Nineveh to repent. How, how many of you, you got saved before you ever sinned? Anybody like that in this room? Anybody? Trick question. How many of you, you sinned, and the very first time you sinned, you got saved? How many of you, it was the second time you sinned, you got saved? How many of you would honestly say, I cannot count how many times I sinned before I got saved? It was that many. How many of you are like that? How many of you could care less how many times I say, you're not going to raise your hand? All right, just trying to get you to wake up here tonight. The reality is this, all of us are, have sinned. And, and none of us could probably count the amount of times. Could you imagine the first time that you sinned that God says, you know what, you've sinned, you don't deserve my love, I'm taking you and judging you, and you're gonna pay for that sin debt for all of eternity. No, he was long-suffering, the Bible says. The Bible tells us he was long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And we see this in the uh, Jonah here. Chapter number one, Nineveh sins. Instead of God saying, all right, you've sinned, I'm going to send destruction, he wants to send Jonah to preach repentance so that Nineveh would repent because God is a long-suffering God. How many of you are so glad that when you have failed God, now after you're saved, you're a child of God, after you're saved, God doesn't just give up on you and, and judge you and, and uh, 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 remove you from his presence or, or take salvation from you because you sinned. How many of you are excited and glad for that reason? 
I know I am. You know what that is? He's long-suffering. With Jonah, Jonah runs from God. God didn't say, you know what, Jonah, you've run from me. Fine, stay there. All right, you disobeyed me. You don't want to do my will? Fine. You know what he does with Jonah we find in chapter number one? He desires Jonah back. He doesn't just say, Jonah, you left me, you're done. He is long-suffering, giving Jonah an opportunity to confess that and get back right with God. We're going to see in the book of Jonah here this attribute of God that all of us ought to be thankful for, and that is long-suffering. Exodus chapter 34, verse number 6. The Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. All right, so we find in Exodus chapter 34, go to Numbers 14 as you're turning there. Numbers 14, write that in your notes, turn there. As you're turning there, I want you to see something about Exodus chapter 34. Here is the Lord saying this, the Lord is long-suffering. You know what he's doing? He's letting his people know an attribute that I have is I am long-suffering. It's the Lord revealing to us he's long-suffering. Now, how many of you would say this? I like to hear what somebody has to say, but I, it means more to me when they don't only say it, they actually live it. How many of you have been told by someone, I love you? What means more to you when someone says, I love you, or the action of love someone has for you? We like to hear both. I love it when Michelle says, I love you. I love it more when it's an action. It's something she shows. You can say, I love you to someone all day long, but unless you show it, they don't believe it. God here is revealing something about himself early on. He's long-suffering. There's many a times the Israelites could have just been judged. God says, you know what? I'm fed up with you. I'm done. No, he's long-suffering, and he's giving them an opportunity to repent and come to him. And so here we have the Lord is saying, I'm long-suffering. Numbers chapter 14, verse 18. The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. All right, we find in Numbers chapter 14, verse number 18, it's said of God once again that he's long-suffering. I want you to turn to Psalm 86. Moses, in, in Numbers eight, uh, 14, verse 18, God is sharing, I'm long-suffering. Uh, the Lord, the Lord is long-suffering. It's said of him. He's letting us know he's long-suffering. Moses is realizing this after dealing with the Lord. You know what the Lord is? He's long-suffering. He's now teaching the people God is long-suffering. In uh, Psalm 86, verse 15. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, and plenteous in mercy and truth. All right, we have the psalmist. David is writing a psalm. You know what he has realized in his life? That God is long-suffering. In Psalm chapter number 86, we find once again, God is long-suffering. He tells us he's long-suffering. He's tell, uh, leaders, uh, Moses is, is rehearsing that. Now we have someone, David, the psalmist, he's saying this, in when he needed God to be long-suffering the most, you know what he realized? God was long-suffering. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 2, to the New Testament, Romans chapter 2, verse number 4. 
Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? We find the Apostle Paul is now teaching and preaching. No, here's the Apostle Paul. If there was someone that experienced God's longsuffering, it was the Apostle Paul. We've been preaching through the book of Acts for the last five years, or, or a couple years maybe, in, um, uh, on Sunday mornings. And, and what do we find in the book of Acts? If there was an individual that experienced the long-suffering of God, it's the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was murdering Christians. He was going against God. He was taking Christians and, and putting them into prison. In Paul's life, it should have been over, but God was long-suffering to Paul, allowing Paul the opportunity to meet Christ. He didn't just take Paul the first time there at Stephen's feet when Paul was standing there, when Stephen was being stoned, and he's gathering the coats of those that were stoning Stephen, that, that first, that first uh, uh, martyr there in the book of Acts. He didn't say, you know what, Paul, I've had it with you. You're done. You know what he was to Paul? Long-suffering. Paul now is teaching. He's writing to the Romans here. He's writing, God is long-suffering. I want you to go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Now, we're going someplace with this. Now, Paul is writing to the church here. In Galatians, he says this, the fruit of the Spirit what does he say, the fruit of the Spirit? The, that theme that we're studying is long-suffering. Now, don't miss this, please. God says, I'm long-suffering. Moses says, he's long-suffering. The psalmist says, oh, thank you, Lord, you're long-suffering. We find Paul, he experienced the long-suffering of God, and he's teaching the Romans that uh, are now Christians about the long-suffering of God. And then in Galatians, we're reading that the fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering. Now, understand this. God is long-suffering, we learn now through Paul writing to the New Testament church that one of the fruit of the Spirit, one is long-suffering. If we are filled with the Spirit, where, how should we be behaving? Long-suffering should be an attribute that we have toward others. God's long-suffering. His Spirit is inside of us. His Spirit that's leading us and guiding us we ought to also have that character, long-suffering. Don't, don't miss that. 2 Peter 3.15. An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. All right, now Peter is writing... He says, remember what Paul's writing you about? Long-suffering. Peter's experienced this long-suffering that God or Christ had with him, and he's writing that. Thanks. Long-suffering, we find it's an attribute of God. It's not just an attribute of God. It's the behavior of God. We see it not just I'm long-suffering. It's 
acted out. It's how he behaves. We see it specifically here in the book of Jonah. He's long-suffering toward Nineveh when Nineveh doesn't deserve it. He's also long-suffering toward uh, um, Jonah when Jonah disobeys. We're going to find in this book, we're going to find rebellion. We're going to find uh, uh, wickedness. We're going to find disobedience. But you know what also we're going to find because of long-suffering? We're going to find repentance and forgiveness. You see, without long-suffering... We don't come to forgiveness and repentance. This long-suffering, this attribute of God, it brings, it allows the patience of God to come to a place where mankind can hear the truth, receive the truth, and it leads us to repentance. The wonderful story of God's long-suffering when we sin is found in Jonah, and that's what we find in the book of Jonah. It's not about Jonah being swallowed by a whale, being spit out by a whale, and then running to Nineveh. It's about God long-suffering to the wicked, to the lost, and also to those that are a child of God when they disobey God. He's long-suffering. Now, I want you to write this down. Now I'm going to get to some meat of things here, and I want you to write these things down last few minutes we have. In verses number one and two of this chapter, God's long-suffering to Nineveh. He's long-suffering to them by sending a prophet to preach repentance. He's not preaching, you're going to be damned now. I'm sending in a a horrific uh, judgment. It's going to come, but I'm offering you repentance. We find this in verse 1 and 2. He's long-suffering to Nineveh. He's that. He shows us that by sending a prophet to preach to the people. In verses 3 down through verse number 17 of this chapter through the end, the entire, almost the entire first chapter, we find this, that God is long-suffering to Jonah by chastening him and chastising him when he disobeys. Now, when we think of chastening and chastisement, we don't always think of long-suffering. We think of judgment, right? We think of correction. We think of trouble, getting in trouble. Most of the time, that word discipline or chastening, we don't ever see it as a positive thing. How many of you like it when you get disciplined? Right? How many of you, when you're in school, I don't think any of my kids have ever said to their teachers, hey, would you discipline me today? It shows me you love me. We don't see it that way. But the reality is, it is a sign of God's long-suffering when he chastises or chastened Jonah. He didn't just let Jonah get out there. He didn't just leave him. One of the things that we ought to rejoice tonight when we learn an attribute of God in this specifically of long-suffering is when we sin, when we fail, when we act in a way that, that is against God. As his child, he doesn't just toss us and throw us away. He chastens us. He's long-suffering with us so that we come back to him. Now, you're looking at me like, what's the point there? The point is this, because all of us sin. When you got saved, you didn't become perfect. And God still is long-suffering. 
So often, if we're not careful, we can sin. And this, Paul says, shall we continue in sin? God forbid. This is long-suffering that God has is not a license for us to sin, but it is something that ought to excite us to know that when we do, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We, when we sin, it isn't, well, I'm on the shelf now. I can't be do anything else for God. I've failed. You know what? Church ought to be a place of people that have messed up and failed and gotten right with God and God's using them again. That's what church ought to be because there's no perfect people. Why? Because God's long-suffering. And that's what we learn here in Jonah's life. He's long-suffering by chastising him, by chastening him. For what reason? So that Jonah comes back to do what God's plan is. I told you I'm going to go someplace with that. I don't want to get there too soon. I'm going to get there in just a moment. Don't lose that thought, please. I want you to see this in verse number 14 of this chapter. God uses chastening. Look with me in verse number 14. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee. Let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done it as it has pleased thee. Now, who is praying in this verse? Not a trick question. Who's praying it? The mariners. This isn't Jonah. Who are these guys praying to? God. Who were they praying to just a few verses before? Their gods. Now they're praying to the God. What, what was the difference here? You know what the difference here was? They saw God's long-suffering toward Jonah in chastising him or chasing him, not giving up on him, but doing everything he could to get Jonah to come back to him. And when they saw the long-suffering of God toward Jonah through the chastening, they began to look at God. You know what they revealed, God revealed? He revealed his power. They knew that this sea was in this great storm, and it was not just, just natural. Something powerful was causing this. And they tried all their gods, and they couldn't appease their gods. Nope, our gods don't have the power. But then they saw that there was a God that had power, and it was revealed through God's long-suffering. I want you to see this. In verse number 16, God uses chastening to turn others to him. God's long-suffering toward Jonah allowed the mariners, mariners to turn to God. I want you to see in verse number 17. Look with me in verse number 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I want you to see something, and I'm, I'm sure you've seen this before, but I just pointed out again this evening, that fish that was swimming by that boat, it wasn't just happen chance. It isn't that that boat just crossed the line and that great fish just happened to be in the part of the sea that it needed to be. The Bible says in verse number 17, the Lord had prepared a great fish. If that's not long-suffering, I don't know what is. 
Because if you would have taken Jonah and thrown Jonah into the sea, Jonah would have drowned and Jonah would have died. And we could have said, well, you know what? Jonah deserved it. God told him what to do. He heard it. Verse number one, he heard God's voice. It was clear. Go to Nineveh. He refused. And on purpose, according to verse number two, he did everything he could to get away from the presence of God. So whatever Jonah had coming, he had coming, and it would have been fair. But we're missing something when we have that attitude. An attribute of God called long-suffering. God's long-suffering toward Jonah put a fish right where Jonah was because I want you to see this, number three, God uses chastening to reveal his provisions. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you have seen God bless your life even when you knew you didn't deserve it? That's God's long-suffering. Here, Jonah didn't deserve. You you say, at the moment, I'm sure Jonah didn't think it was a good thing that he was just swallowed. I mean, imagine being tossed overboard in this big fish coming up and taking a big gulp of water and you're in it. I don't think at the moment Jonah said, "Woo! I'm glad God's with me. I'm sure Jonah thought, I'm a goner. But it was God preparing him It was God's actually blessing Jonah. It was God revealing through chastening him, revealing that I am going to still provide for you. You know what? What God's long suffering shows us, even when we fail, even when we don't do right, God is long suffering and he still prepares and still causes things to work out. I love that verse, for all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. All through the Bible, we have the promise of God. Why? Because he's long-suffering. I'm trying to get us to understand something. When we see the book of Jonah, we don't just see Jonah in Jonah's story. We see God in who God is. We see that God is long-suffering. We see that through this, it shows his power. Through this, it shows others can turn to him when they see God's long-suffering. And also what it shows is God's provisions. And when we don't deserve it, God still supplies. What a wonderful thing to learn about God. I want you to see this as well. Look with me in chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. I love this last part, the part of this verse. And he heard me. That is God's long suffering. How many of you, somebody's aggravated you and they've called you or tried to get your attention and you've ignored them? husband, wife, kids, parents. You pretend you don't hear them. Why do we do that? Because they've aggravated me. They've got on my nerves. I don't, I, I don't want to pay them attention. That's not how God treated Jonah. Jonah now has fled from God. He finds himself in the whale's belly. He found himself being chastened by God. And when he cries out to God, God doesn't say, Jonah, I'm not going to listen. Or Jonah, you have what's coming to you. Because God is a long-suffering God, the Bible says he heard him. 
if there's anything that I get when I read this first part of Jonah, again, this doesn't give us a license to sin, but what it shows us is that when we do, there's an attribute, the character of God is long-suffering and he forgives. And there's no reason, child of God, for you to stay away from God thinking God is not going to forgive, thinking, oh, I've done it this time. If you have that uh, uh, thinking, you don't understand God. God is revealing to us that he is long-suffering. And what I find in this uh, uh, chapter number two, the beginning of chapter number two, is God uses this chastening to restore us. Is Jonah in the fish's belly because God's mad at Jonah? I would say this, that God put Jonah in the fish's belly because God is long-suffering and desires to restore Jonah. The fish was an opportunity for Jonah to be restored. Because the fish saved Jonah from certain death. I'm going to swallow all this water. There's no place to go. Now, could God have still brought him back? Of course he could have. But God used this chastening, this storm, to put Jonah overboard, to wind up in the belly. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think that Jonah, even now in the belly for three days and three nights, do you think that Jonah thought it was a good place to be? No. Not any more than we would have thought it was a good place to be. I mean, you're inside a fish's belly, seedweed everywhere. Imagine the smell and the stench and, and not, if you were in the fish's belly, how are you going to get out? It's probably what Jonah's thinking. But God used that not to punish Jonah, but to restore Jonah back to be used of God. There's no reason a Christian who has run from God, who has, has sinned or who has, has broken that fellowship with the Lord, there's no reason that you need to stay in that broken fellowship state. God is long-suffering, and his desire is to restore you. Don't stay in sin. Don't stay running from God. Chastening, I see in Jonah chapter 1, it's a result of God's long-suffering. It's a show of God's love for us. You see, now, let me, let me bring this together here, and I'm done. What I love about series is if you don't finish, you just pick up next week. Now, I want to bring this to you now. God is long-suffering. We saw that in Exodus. Moses says in Numbers, God is long-suffering. The psalmist says, God is long-suffering. I'm a witness of it. Paul in the New Testament says, God is long-suffering. I've witnessed it in my own life, and you can believe in it. Peter says, you know what I realize? God's long-suffering. Just ask Paul. He spoke of it to you. Remember what Paul said? We show it not just by what he says, but it's shown in his behavior. We find also, we read, where long-suffering is a fruit of the Spirit. If we are being led by the Spirit, you know what an attribute that all believers ought to have? Long-suffering. But we are so quick to give up on people when they disappoint us, aren't we? I won't, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but have you ever been disappointed by someone? 
And isn't it so easy to write them off? But when the Spirit of God lives inside of us and the Spirit of God is leading us, long-suffering is an attribute that we as a child of God ought to have. We behave differently than those that don't know God because the Spirit of God lives inside of us. If things don't go as we planned, aren't we quick to walk away? You know what we find in the book of Jonah? God's not going to walk away. He's not going to walk away on Nineveh, and he's not going to walk away on Jonah. Why? Because he's long-suffering. We fail to see the value in long-suffering as humans, I believe, because it's difficult. How many of you have ever said, Lord, I don't need patience today because I have more patience than I need? Anybody like that? Matter of fact, Lord, I have so much. If someone else needs some, they can have some, and I'll still be good. No. That light turns green. In one second, if that car doesn't start moving, if you didn't lay your your hand on the horn, you thought about it. And you said, I'm glad they moved because I was about ready to honk. Patience my spouse or my children or my parents and how we deal with them. It's difficult. Patience is difficult, but long-suffering is godly. Because of God's long-suffering, listen to this. I want you to see this this evening in closing. Because of God's long-suffering, the mariners turned to God. People that worshiped false gods turned to God and began to worship him. They made vows, the Bible said. They began to worship him. They began to make sacrifices to him and made vows to him because of God's long-suffering. That's a huge thing. These men that didn't even realize what was going on, these men who were just going to take a trip to Tarshish, probably like they've done dozens of times, Because God showed them his long-suffering, they turned to him. The second thing I see here is because of God's long-suffering, Jonah was given a second chance. Now, everybody that's a child of God ought to say amen right there. Jonah was given a second chance. Listen to me, that means this. As we deal with people, as we're led by the Spirit, it ought to be a natural thing that when we're led by the Spirit of God to give people a second chance to long suffer toward them, to forgive and have patience for people. And I find this as well, because of God's long suffering, Nineveh was spared from disaster. And we didn't get to that place, but this is what we see in the book of Jonah. Long suffering is not just an attribute of God, but it's also of his children when they walk in the Spirit. It's not just, well, that's God. Of course, God's long-suffering. He's God. That is a wonderful trait that we have, but we can't say, well, that's who God is, and I can't be like that. That's why God said, when you got saved, I gave you my Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering. You know what that means? We can have that attribute, that godly attribute, not in our own flesh or our own strength, but when we're yielded to the Spirit of God, 
we can be long-suffering. Long-suffering, patient. Ephesians 4.2, for sake of time, write that down and go back and say this. There's a word forbearing. That word forbearing means this, to be patient and restrained. (laughs) How many have to pray for that? Give me patience and Lord, restrain me. You know what, according to Ephesians chapter 4, when those are long-suffering, a result of that is forbearing one another or having patience and restraint toward others. And you know what that brings us into? Unity in the body of Christ. Now, how many of you have realized that our world is pretty divided? Our nation is pretty divided. How many of you have realized that? You haven't? You've been under a rock. It's divided. And I would say this, the reason why it's so divided, because there's not long-suffering. Because long-suffering is not a normal human trait. It's a godly trait. And it can only be shown when a person has the Spirit of God living in him, allowing the Spirit of God to direct him. That's when long-suffering happens, and only through long-suffering can come unity. Ephesians 4.2. This makes us as believers different. When we're being led by the Spirit of God, we are different. Now, it doesn't mean that our flesh wants to be different, because listen to me, as I know as well as you know, sometimes it just feels really good not to be patient. Sometimes it feels really good not to be long-suffering. And all the teachers said amen to that, right? Sometimes it just feels good as a human to, 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 to just let it all out. But we don't have to behave that way, and that's not what the world needs. What God is showing us in the book of Jonah in this very first chapter is that the world, Nineveh, needs to be seen, to be shown a long-suffering God, and they need to see it through God's people. The best way for a un- or a divided world, an ununited society, to see the attributes of God played out is through his children. And the only way for that to be seen is when his children are walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. And where do we see that? We see that in our churches. We see that in our homes. And if we're not careful, Christian, that's the place we're most divided. That's the place that is hidden. But you know what we learned about God? He sees everything. Long-suffering gives us the patience and the understanding and the restraint to forgive and to, 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 to love and to allow and forbear, Paul says in Ephesians. And when a Christian or a believer behaves this way, we deal with others differently. We deal with others peaceably. We deal with others lovingly, and we deal with others patiently. Now, would you not say in Jonah chapter 1, forget the fact, well, what kind of God would make a big whale swallow someone he loves? A God that loved Jonah. A God that was being patient with Jonah. A God that was forbearing and, and 
dealing with Jonah in such a way, we see that because God dealt long-suffering toward Jonah, others were saved, Jonah was saved, and Nineveh is going to be saved. And it's not because of who Jonah is. It has everything to do with who God is. I close with this tonight. We live right now in turbulent times. Our nation, people are hurting. Now, well, it's not happening in Ohio. Floods aren't happening in Ohio, so, and I don't think anybody in here would even, even think that. Well, it's not happening to me, so I don't care. But, I mean, there's, there's human beings that are hurting. There's people that are losing jobs. There's people that are concerned. I talked to a mom that called the church about 6 o'clock tonight. I answered the phone, and she said, told me who it was, and I recognized the name, and she said, my son mentioned his name and his last name has been dealing with, with a couple of the pastors here and counseling. He's battled with depression. She said, I'm just calling to let you know that he committed suicide. He couldn't handle this virus anymore. 44 years old. And then in tears, she began to tell me how it happened. I said, ma'am, I, I, I don't need to know all those graphics. They live just on garden. Apartments on garden. That's our backyard. That man's visited our church. That's man sat in our offices and we've counseled him and tried to help him through some things. The only way for us as Christians to make a difference in a world, it isn't for us to run and hide and try to get to Tarsus and let Nineveh burn. It's to get to Nineveh and let Nineveh see God is long-suffering. And if we have made mistakes and we have sinned, it's time for us to realize God is long-suffering and forgiving. I'm going to get back right with God so he could use me once again because Nineveh is going to burn. And I believe right now greater, I read an article today, and they're saying this by by huge numbers, churches through this COVID are going to close down. I know, I know personally of five pastors that have resigned. Matter of fact, there's six of us right now, six pastors that are working through, I, th- I think six is that Nate, was Nate and Chris is helping. Yeah, six total guys. We're working on a project right now to try to encourage and help pastors stay in the ministry. Encourage them. They said this. I read an article today that not only are many pastors going to resign, they said trying to get people back to church and serving and and, and involved in churches, they said the average church is wiping out 25% of their volunteers are not going to come back and work. And I'm saying to you, church, that's the wrong reaction. That's the wrong direction. God is long-suffering, and he is giving us an opportunity 
to get the gospel to the world so that the world can repent and turn back to him. And he's long-suffering. And if anything, we need to be sure that we are right with him, allowing the Spirit of God to lead us so that we can have that same attribute of peace and love and forgiveness so that we can give the gospel. So in showing God's long-suffering, people turn to him and are saved. You know what the most exciting thing I think? Now, if you're some kind of weirdo and you think getting swallowed by the whale is exciting, all right, I'll give that to you. But I think the most exciting thing that happened in chapter number one is these mariners begin to pray and worship God. <laughs> Offer sacrifices to him and vows to him. They were introduced to a God because of God's long-suffering. And the most wonderful thing of all of the book is this. Not only that happened in chapter one, is Nineveh repents and puts on sacks and, and, and ashes and repents and turns to God. And that's what our desire ought to be. It happens when we walk in the Spirit and we have that attribute of long-suffering. You know, I think we need in our homes more than ever, long-suffering. You know, I need toward my kids more than ever, long-suffering. How many of your kids have ever frustrated you? How many of my kids have ever frustrated you? <laughs> yeah. You know, I need toward my wife, long-suffering. You know what she needs toward me? Long-suffering, lots of it. You know, we need toward each other. Ephesians chapter 4, long-suffering. So what? We can forbear one another. Be unified. Because in that, God is then revealed. This is a big year for us, election year. And you know this. Donald Duck can sit in the White House. It's God that's going to heal. It's God that we need. And it's God that we need his help. Father, help us, I pray, as we begin our study in the book of Jonah. May we see this attribute and then may we be filled with it because we're filled with your spirit. Somebody this week, Lord, at work or maybe in our own home or our neighborhood, someone could be turned to God because of his long suffering that he shows toward us. A nation could be saved because of God's long suffering. A wayward child a wayward Christian could come back, a prodigal could come back and be used of God in a great way because of your long-suffering. And so, Lord, I pray that as we study this book, show us something about you that would change us, make us different, and behave differently. May we not just know it and say it, but may we live it. Give us patience today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, Brian, do this if you would. Um, on your way out, just put a couple of those plates on the chairs maybe by that back door. Would you do that, Brian? On your way out, if you came and you wanted to give tonight, instead of us passing the plates, I forgot to do that, um, you can give, and um, there's a couple plates. How many of you remember what an offering plate looks like?
It's been six months since we've seen one. You can give tonight. So you are dismissed. Thank you for being here tonight and look forward to seeing you on Sunday and next week. Searching for answers, only you